Though a bit up from 2013, the Unisys Security Index for the first half of 2014 is near its lowest point since the IT services company introduced the measurement in 2007. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss the index is Unisys Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer, Dave Freimeyer. Welcome, Dave. Good afternoon, Eric. Please take a few moments to explain what the Unisys Security Index is. The Unisys Security Index is a piece of statistical work we've been doing now for seven years. It surveys consumers in various locations around the world on their attitudes about various security items. Various is really the the proper term here. It ranges from cybersecurity things having to do with people's personal information, personal health information, all the way up to the way they feel about the financial climate in their country, their ability to pay their bills, and the national security environment in the country in which they live. And and some of these areas, even though they may not be dealing with IT security, have overlaps into IT security, such as financial security. Yeah, it goes to the general mood of the consumer. The variations over the years are interesting, and uh, and the variations from country to country are interesting as well. For instance, the uh, the folks in the Netherlands are not concerned about much of anything, <laughs> according to the results of this survey. They're uh, leading a calm life over there. Yeah, maybe some lessons we could learn from them. Uh, what would you consider the main takeaways from the latest survey? I tell you, Eric, it, it just amazes me the extent to which people seem to be generally unconcerned about cybersecurity issues. We see that this year. We see it in just about every country. And the level of concern they've had over the last three years in particular has been almost a perfect flat line. One wonders how that could possibly be when you consider the things that have happened in the last few years. We've had the Snowden revelations. We've had this continuous drumbeat of high-profile hacks that have affected Google and China. Uh, We had the whole Mandiant report released about the People's Liberation of Army activities uh, those are the, the Chinese. And then, of course, we've had this whole trove of documents from uh, from Edward Snowden. Through this all, the, our index indicating at a level of concern at the consumer level has been flat. Yeah, I did notice that. I noticed it was up uh, just a couple of points from last year. In fact, the overall survey seems to be, the, as I said before, the second lowest point since you began the survey. Can you figure out why? We've done a lot of thinking on this, and we've come up with what are probably several at least contributing factors. The first, and probably the most important, is that and we're surveying consumers here, and at the end of the day, the consumers haven't been hurt by this activity. Who has been hurt by this activity are the, the banks, the merchants, and other retail institutions, the governments, and the large organizations whose intellectual property are being stolen, and, and this just doesn't hit the rank-and-file citizen in a way that causes them concern. I also think there's probably some fatigue here in that you, know, you hear so much about these events in the media, yet it has no direct effect on people's day-to-day lives. They just start to tune it out. And that's a point I was going to make. What people say and what they do aren't necessarily the same. And, and for that, I'm, I'm thinking of like the target breach. And the survey says that nearly 60% of respondents reply that they're less likely to do business with a company after it's experienced a data security breach. But I'm wondering whether what they say and what they do are two different things. Uh, of course, I guess surveys can't read the minds of the participants. But uh, what's your reaction to that? What message does that say? 
I'm reminded of several uh, polls you know, I've heard of, as long as I've been an adult and listening to such news, is that people think Congress is doing a horrible job, but that their individual representative is okay. <laughs> so I, I think that may be some, a little bit of the phenomenon that we're, uh, that we're seeing here. Uh, another point here is that Snowden, one of the things Snowden said was that any Windows system and any Linux system, if you have a sufficiently sophisticated attacker and they want to get into it, they're going to. People just haven't understood what that means, that if they want in, they're going to get in. And there's just about nothing they can do about it. The other thing is, is that this malware today is very quiet. Once it's there, you don't know it's there. I think it's highly likely that there are hundreds of thousands of infected systems that people don't even know the infection is there, kind of like shingles after chickenpox. That's, that's an interesting point because you know they don't know it's there. They don't know the damage it could be doing or it might not be doing damage to them particularly, but their devices are being hijacked for other purposes. Yeah, it's not doing damage to them. It's waking up at 2 a.m. in their time zone and sending spam for three or four hours. Uh, they have no clue. Does that present a problem that they have no clue? Absolutely. And we're not going to be able to solve this problem until people become aware that it's happening. Now, this gets back to you know, a somewhat related topic of uh, that I know you've written about a couple of times. It's the um, information sharing concept and the uh, cybersecurity framework and, and the like. The ISPs have plenty of equipment and techniques for detecting that something wakes up and starts sending gigabytes of email at 2 a.m. in the morning. They see the flow of intellectual property from west to east <laughs> that's been occurring at a prodigious rate over the last four or five years, but there's really nothing they can do about it. Depending upon what their particular legal staffs have told them, they feel that they shouldn't even tell the people who are infected, who are obviously infected, that they are. The reason they're not doing that is because they feel they're leaving themselves liable in some way, and they want that liability coverage. The administration has come out and said, well, if you're sharing information security data, you're not going to be held liable for any actions you take. I guess they'd like to see that codified. They don't just uh, take the administration at their word. I don't necessarily get into a debate now about uh, information sharing, I guess, except the importance of maybe getting some kind of legislation enacted. And it relates to the, uh, the security index here because you know, something's going to have to happen to wake these consumers up. And as long as they're not directly hurt by any of this, they're not going to be energized to assist in addressing the problem. Even if a popular retailer like Target's hit and people are Target customers, they still shop there. They still use the credit card. They don't see that as being something that's going to have a direct impact on their lives. Yeah, I saw the data for the Target's drop in revenue in the fourth quarter. Apparently, Target had some other problems besides this, uh, this, this security breach. But if you look back at the TJ Maxx and other Sony, other large breaches, yeah, those companies have stumbled for a bit, but it wasn't an existential hit. You know, they're, they're still operating and they've recovered. And I imagine if Target hadn't had some other problems uh, in other areas, it probably would have too. It also looks like it could have done a better job of managing this particular incident. One of the results that your survey shows that people are a bit more concerned today than a year ago about security of shopping or banking online. Not much. As you said, the numbers tend to be flat. How should CISOs, chief information security officers such as you, interpret those numbers and how should they take that to do their jobs better? 
again, I get back to the notion that you're not going to get any help from the consumer, <laughs> and you, so they're going to have to, uh, to to do things themselves. In this environment where, where all these breaches are occurring, and, and we know that Linux and Windows systems are vulnerable, the technology that we've been using to try to address these problems is, is largely based on monitoring traffic streams, throwing alerts, detecting anomalies, and the like, which are all after the fact. At the RSA conference this year, I'd say 85% of the vendors out on the show floor had some sort of product that had to do with analytics, intelligent analytics, predictive analytics, but analytics nonetheless. And the analytics are all based on things that have already happened, even the ones that pretend to be predictive. I think we need a new approach and all this log files that we're collecting and all these alerts that we're fielding and the reams and reams of false positives that are being analyzed are just going to collapse under its own weight. A better way to approach this is using network segmentation techniques. The network segmentation techniques are you define Instead of one large perimeter around the entire organization, you define a perimeter around smaller related communities of interest. These network segmentation techniques can be used to keep the good things in and the bad guys out. So if we consider Target, for instance, if you defined a community of interest for HVAC vendors and said, this is the only place they can go and these are the only things they can do, then the HVAC vendor's accounts wouldn't have had access to the point-of-sale configuration management machine that would use to download software into the point-of-sale terminals. Similarly, you could have defined a community of interest containing the, uh, the point-of-sale software configuration management environment, perhaps just by itself, and not include the 40,000 point-of-sale machines, or you could have included the 40,000 point-of-sale machines. But that's just an example of how these sort of techniques can be used. And if you isolate systems in environments like that, uh, that's where our tagline, you can't hack what you can't see, comes from. If the bad guys can't discover your most valuable assets, then they won't be able to attack them. Thanks, Dave. Okay. I've been speaking with Dave Freimeyer of Unisys for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.